Hey, welcome to podcast number two. Uh, this week we are interviewing comedian Brendan Burns uh, on the last night of his Out of the Box tour, which we'll be discussing with him later on. Um, for those of you that are just tuning into this, uh, and I'd imagine there's probably some comedy comedy fans, fans yeah, uh, we're we're a, we're a music we're a, like, a music record label. We normally put out a mixture of everything, but it's mostly in the hardcore punk sort of realm, but. We're both massive Brandon Burns fans. We, we, you know, I think the first time we went to see him was uh, together was in Portsmouth a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, that was good we, years ago. Yeah, we travelled. We've sort of travelled all over all over the UK to see him perform, um, and I put him on a bunch of times in South Wales. So we sort of work got a working relationship with him. So we approached him about putting out uh, the Burnsy versus Brendan two thousand and four Edinburgh show out on a double LP. And uh, he sort of jumped at the chance. And, yeah, so that's available for pre-order in our store at the moment on uh, www.palmreaderrecords.co.uk. It's a record we're really, really excited about because, as I say, he's, our, you know, one of our favourite comedians. And it's come, uh, completely them. remastered as well. Brand new artwork. Liner notes from Paul Provenza and Brendan as well about the show. Uh, the, yeah, the Brendan's liner notes are, are particularly uh, insightful about sort of his state of mind then compared to his state of mind now and how that affected the show. So it's really interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, this is the second of our podcast. Last week we interviewed uh, Will from Creeper, who are an amazing punk band from Southampton. So if you haven't listened to that one, you can go back on iTunes or SoundCloud and listen to that. Um, yeah, so we'll just get the selling stuff out of the way first before we start the interview. We've got, obviously, we've got the Brendan Burns pre-orders on our store. We've also got the Secret Show tape pre-order as well, which is Matt Davis from Funeral for a Friend. He's touring with Alcoa in May. Yep, and we've got the brand new Raging Speedhorn 7-inch Halfway to Hell, which is uh, very close to selling out, and it's only limited to 300. So if you're interested in getting the new stuff from Raging Speedhorn, which is really riffy, really heavy, aggressive, groovy metal, then uh, if that's your, your type of thing, then, then get on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we need to sell for the moment. We'll just get straight into the interview yeah. with, with Brendan Burns. Excellent. Hope you enjoy it. Right, okay, so uh, this is episode two. Two, yeah. Two. Uh, it's the second one we recorded in the, in the one day. What's it called? Uh, just the Palm Reader Records podcast. Cool. And uh, last Do you title was... them at the end? Well, yeah, we could do. No. Yeah. Um, but we, we did the last one in Callum's kitchen, and now we're sat in someone's bedroom with uh, with comedian and writer Brendan Burns. Hello. Uh, so, um... You've been on tour now for two or three three weeks. With no, way longer. Isn't it longer than that? Might be. Yeah. Okay. I think it's end of January. Yeah, I was going to no, say it was January. in the beginning of February or something. So it's about a month and a half. Yeah. Has has uh, has has it been treating you? It's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I should have done it long ago. I don't think I've had a bad gig. I don't think I've had a bad night. Uh, I, uh, I maybe I've done somewhere I was a bit off, but otherwise. Um, you know, just the the whole idea of doing secret locations is no cunts, mm. no stag do's, no entitled assholes. Although there was one guy in Brighton who, hang on, that might be my opener. John, how you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. I'm just doing a podcast. Uh, yeah, apparently it's only five minutes walk from the station. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, let me put your speakerphone. Say that again. God, that's cool. No, what would you call it? What did you say it was? I said, that's cool, it's fine. No, you said, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said words were bullshit. Followed <laughs> by, it's okay, I don't need to talk to whoever it is. Oh, I think you're passing me to somebody. You're passing me to the internet. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wheels up memory, you great jerk. Okay. Uh, so, do you want someone to come and get you? No, it's fine. I'll be there in a bit. All right, well, I've asked them if they'll drop you at the station later, save you the walk. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, a venue. It's yeah, it's, it's someone's house. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I thought I sort of took that as red, mate. Yeah, so just but, yeah, but also <laughs> like you know how sometimes when you go to some things and you're thinking like there'll be a corner store, there'll be a bit of happening. No, it's yeah. suburbia. Yeah, no, mate, mate, it's someone's house. Yeah, it's someone's I, fucking I, house. I, I pretty much interpreted this as we're going to someone's house. Yes. It's gonna be okay. I'll see you in a bit. See you in a bit. Goodbye. <laughs> so that sort of sums up the tour that you're uh, you're playing in someone's someone's living room tonight. Yeah, the, I mean, one of my favourite shows was in uh, someone's kitchen. Yeah, and uh, I would turn my phone on silent, but 
I'm not a fucking cunt from Portsmouth <laughs> that doesn't know that when you fucking... Cu- what is wrong with your fucking uh, 20-somethings? That they go, where are you? And then it's as if... Or they ring you once, and then they just... If they can't get through to you immediately, they just go, well, well clearly my phone's broken. And they just throw it in a fucking river. Because you can never... We got into this before the podcast started. We were in Portsmouth last night in a burrito bar. And this fucking kid, this fucking cunt, right? <laughs> this fucking kid texted me three times going, where are you? It wasn't where they listed it. Portsmouth needs to let go of Portsmouth and just call itself South Sea or one of the two. Or just, look, you're two different cities. Mm. The amount of times that people fucking say, number, street, Portsmouth, and it's not. They're two different fucking places. Google Maps doesn't accept that. SatNav doesn't accept that. <laughs> Maybe it's time they moved into the, the fucking defense. 21st fucking century. I don't fucking accept that. My mate's fucking kids got lost on the way. He didn't turn his... He, 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 he texted me several times. Texted me, mind you, as well. Texted me, where are you? I'm trying to find parking. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Ringing him. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It's like... Ring him four times. He doesn't answer. I finally arrive and I go, have you got your phone on silent? And he went, yeah. As if like, matter of fact, then what the fuck are you doing contacting someone and bitching that you, where are they? That is an engagement. That's, That's living in the world, you fucking idiots. So I'm looking at him, just my arms are open wide in the air. I'm flabbergasted. And his response is to stick his hands in the air and mimic my flabbergast. And I'm like, the reason you're not talking right now is because you don't have a fucking argument. So you're just mimicking my... just. And then he, he goes, oh, I can't do the door. I've got a big gig tomorrow night. What band goes to bed early? What 20-something fucking bass player? He wanted to go out and get drunk. Of course he did. I, I guess I guess we should say cause I can't wait for show business to chew that fucking little shit up and spin <laughs> it. I can't wait for him to discover that that the, 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 the one thing that will fucking shoot you in the foot in this business is entitlement <laughs> and a lack of accountability. I can't wait for him to turn up late to a gig and pull his fucking flabbergasted arms in the air face and then go get the fuck out of my venue. You can't don't come back. But I couldn't believe it. I didn't arrive. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And now I'm fired. <laughs> Fucking wanker. Anyway, what was your question? Oh, I, uh, I was going to say, because I, I guess mostly people who listen to music are going to listen to this. So I guess you should probably explain the premise of the tour. The premise of the tour is I got sick of comedy clubs and uh, my tiny fan base, uh, however devoted they may be, uh, I did a number of shows where even at some of the best comedy clubs with some of the greatest ethos, yeah, uh, attitude to comedy, still are feeling the pinch right now and had to let stag do's in. Mm. And whilst I was dealing with that, and I'm equipped to deal with that, but I only have half an hour at the end of the night. Yeah. And there are people that know that I write a lot or they listen to the podcast or whatever and they wanted to hear what I was working on. So your- they voiced their frustration. Mm. And I, for one, am sick to death of, of I mean, I, I talk about it a lot in the show, of living in the age of the selfie, figuratively and literally, and people, reality TV has so much, I mean, it's well-trod ground, but I don't think anyone's ever said it in this way, is fact that the, the fact that the word selfie is a word. Right? It's like, you go to the Grand Canyon, you know what would be good in that? Fucking me. It's the Grand Canyon, you prick. You know, it's it's you're in the way of everything, yeah. and everyone is always just waiting for their turn. They're waiting to get discovered. Get in the limelight, sort of thing. Yeah. Yes, so they can't sit there and watch someone else perform, or if they don't identify with what you're doing. I my favorite comics have always been the ones that had a voice, a point of view. Uh, my favorite comics have always been people that I haven't agreed 100 percent with, but they've been hilarious yeah. about the you know. Uh, you know, you, it, it's largely you put forward preposterous notions sold as sense, sometimes with the shredded truth, but you, you, you turn that up and you speak in absolutes. Um, and uh, now people, not only they don't see themselves in your act, 
You know, I mean, look at all the big acts now. Uh, either they appeal to teenage girls or it's, I do that. I, I, there I am. There I am. <laughs> I do that. With the toasters. The toaster. toaster! <laughs> which, yes, those of you who don't listen to my podcast in the first episode, which is fucking painful, uh, uh, I have on good authority because I didn't realise that people were actually listening. And um, I just, you know, do jokes about my toaster and my... Inadvertently, by claiming not to be the toaster guy, I've inadvertently become the toaster guy. And now people yell toaster at me. They bring toasters to shows. They show me pictures of them where they're toaster. Selfie with the toaster. Selfie with the toaster. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I'm more than happy to do. I don't actually have anything against toaster material. <laughs> I even had a guy on my uh, podcast, Matt Oakine, who's got 15 minutes of rock solid toaster His stuff. toaster material was awesome. It's as well. really good, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. really good. Um, and, uh, so with my frustrations with that, I then went, well, let's fuck this off. Let's just run and hide. And all I did was I put, I I didn't, I mean, it's, it's been very, very moving and, uh, I'm at the last night of the tour right now and it's been, uh, uh, just a runaway success of while I'm hearing horror stories of people selling 40 tickets uh, in in 400 seaters, and that's like people that are regulars on panel shows that are on telly all the time. Um, uh, you know, 40 people in a 400 seater is horrible. 80 people in a 40 seater is fucking amazing. Yeah, I think I saw Doug Stanhope in Bournemouth, and it was at the Pavilion, and there must have been around about four rows full, and yeah. then the rest of it was just just no one there. Yeah, and it was like quite hard because obviously a, a show like that would have been perfect in a much smaller place, but yeah. it was. Yeah, uh, the last thing you feel for the show. When you walk out, the last thing in the world you want is the audience feeling sorry for you. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, oh, this would be so much better if there and was And also loads feeling of this. awkward when there's less yeah. people at a comedy show. You feel, oh, sh- I'm going to have to make it more obvious that I'm enjoying this because it's. And then they don't. Yeah, because they, yeah, there's a pressure on themselves to like make it look obvious that they're enjoying the show. Massively self conscious. Mm. And also their laugh gets lost in the roof, everything. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and I mean, I even choked up a bit talking about it on the podcast because um, without Michael D. Clapham approaching me at the Free Fringe, which again was at a secret location, it was off a piss-stained alleyway, off another piss-stained alleyway, but the people came and found me. And when they did do that, I didn't have a single bad show. I looked forward to going to work every night. I didn't have any folded arms. I didn't have any arguments with someone saying that they were outraged by something. Mm. And to me, that is priceless. And so now we're ad- we're adding extra dates. We're going to extend the tour over the summer, and maybe do people's gardens. And also, venues have come to me and said, you know, do you want to do your alternative wrestling thing where we do alternative commentary to a to a to a wrestling pay per view? Um, and I think I, I, I no word of a lie. I I think this time last year I was wondering what the fuck I was going to do for a living in this country. I was like, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw that offended people that didn't understand something were starting to run things. I saw that people without a sense of humour were starting to run things, which is what happens anytime anything good gets going in this country, is they start listening to people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. That's why it took so long for a, a Brit to fucking win Wimbledon. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. moment a guy looked like he might have, they just all started to go, he'll choke, he'll choke! And I was like... And there was so much pressure on it that they fucked it up. And I really did feel alone, but I knew that there must be people that share my frustrations because uh, the late, great Patrice O'Neill used to say, like, you're 15 years behind me. You're 15 years behind me, motherfucker. Uh, that's your 15 years behind me, motherfucker. <laughs> and please keep in mind that he was a black man dressed as a pimp at the time. Um, but And I used to argue tooth and nail with him uh, about that. And now I, I see his point, is that what happens when there's a boom and then everyone comes to comedy clubs and they want to see what they see on television and then they get very vocal when that doesn't happen and they're spoiled and they fuck it up for everyone. So I think it was on, what was Stuart Lee's recent... TV show and he had Josie Long on, I think. And I think that is that done in oh, the sp- yeah, that's done in the stand in Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah. And I think they, they were filming, obviously. And um, partway through the show, she realized she asked some guys to keep it down, and they, they found out that um, you know, like four guys were on a stag do, 
and immediately the whole room just turned on them. Like you could hear this big yeah. sigh in the crowd. Mm. And I think in the end she sort of had to like win the crowd back over to sort of like, you know, oh look, stag Not do. Too yeah, you you keep quiet and enjoy the show. Everyone else well, And that was on TV, wasn't it? Yeah, she was like, Don't attack him straight yeah. away. <laughs> but I think yeah. I think I think because of the, the premise that T V show yeah, obviously, it's, it's yeah. alternative comedians. Yeah. And it's you know So it's, alternative curated. no black people are allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so left leaning it's fucking white on that thing, isn't it? It's so whitey. It's such an example of uh, uh, you know I, I know the people on it and I think they're funny and I like them and everything but it's, it's, it's not the left leaning in the, the comics in this country fucking aren't they so are <laughs> there's no multiculturalism it's we've got a gay and that'll do <laughs> and you're like shut the fuck up England shut the fuck up you and you were saying um you were sort of, well, wondering what you're going to do for a living. Is that part of the reason why you went back to Australia? Did you go back to Australia really this year? Uh, I did, but it's because my kid's out there. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I go several times a year anyway. Okay. And then that was a marvellous experience. It's yeah. funny because he was in kind of the same boat confidence-wise before he broached me about doing a travelogue series with me. Mm. That was great, by the way. Uh, thank really you. Good. I, I so think it's good. one of the best five things I've ever done. Yeah, I think I, said, you, I, like... I think I said to you in, in Newport was that when you listen, because obviously you listen to podcasts, it's, it's a, it's a, it's almost a one-to-one experience with you know you're talking to the listener. You don't really when you're listening, you don't think that other people listen. You're, yes, you're and a fly almost, on the wall, aren't you? Yeah, it's almost like because you're traveling in, in a in a car or a van, camper van, a camper van. It's almost like when you're listening in your years, you like it's like you sat in the back seat. And you can imagine sort of you two talking in the front and you're sat in the back. We kept in the... like. It was funny, I think it was you that even prompted me because uh, I thought it was going to be three parts and I think it was eight parts in the end. And it's also because I was editing to cut out awkward silences and things like that. And then the more messages I got, the people were yeah. saying, no, keep them in because I really feel mm. like I'm sitting in the car with you. And because you've got the hum of the, the camper van. Yeah, yeah. You can even hear it at times struggling because yeah. we're racing against time and you hear it like, eh, like we've got to get across Australia, otherwise we get charged four grand or something. <laughs> but also it was, I went into that, I think I broached in the podcast as well, very mindful because at the age of 12, he and I had a very funny, very personal conversation Um uh, about me being an alcoholic and him wondering whether he was going to be one when he grew up. And I got very, very heated uh, because he got easily upset about something. And I went, dude, if this is a trigger for you and you can't deal with your emotions properly, then if you, once fucking drugs come into your life or alcohol comes into your life, you're not going to stop. And he got really offended. And he goes, what, at the notion that he might be an alcoholic or a drug addict? Uh, and then I went, well, what the fuck does that make me? And then it's gone back and forth, really ugly. And then at the end of it, we come to a resolution. He understands my point of view. I understand his. And bearing in mind, he's 12 at the time, right? And it was such an open, honest conversation. I forgot that I was talking to my 12-year-old kid. And he goes, I, uh, uh, and we're sitting, I think, in a cafe in uh, the Snowy Mountains. Um, <laughs> and he goes, because I have dried alcohol, you know, right? And I went, um, Really? You know, uh, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, mum gave me a sip of wine at, like, her birthday or something, just to taste it. And I went, oh, thank God. I thought you were about to tell me you've been sucking off men in an alleyway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he and I, tears of laughter, because he goes, Dad, I'm 12, which was his catchphrase for 12. <laughs> oh, Dad, I'm 12. And I am like just cracking up, and like then when the sigh finally and the laugh finally subsides, he goes, "You're going to put this in your act, aren't you?" And I went, "No, you know what? I'll give you between. All right, you know, because it was like there was a you're going to put this in your act, aren't you? Like, ugh." And I was like, "No, no, you know what? You know." And he just went, "Yeah, yeah," and there was that "Yeah, yeah," and I thought. Oh, shit, yeah, you know what? He's the English kid going to an Australian school. These are about to be difficult years. So I haven't mentioned him in my stand-up for three years. Solid. And then uh, when we were hanging out and he heard I was doing a podcast, he said, can I do your podcast? And I went, really? And he went, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I love podcasts. You know, I'd love to. You know, he's he, he's big into sound engineering and mixing and everything. And 
you know, is far more internet savvy than I am, as, you know, that whole generation will be. And I jumped at the chance because I said, look, you know, I haven't talked about you for years. And he was like, I like it when you bring me up on your act. Um, and I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's a new school and your friends listen to some of the stuff I do. And so I've avoided doing that. And so when he said, no, can I do the, the podcast with you? I, uh, it, it's kind of a progression because while I was talking about Okine about my trip to Uluru, I then thought, uh, and at the same time as, as, uh, as uh, Kismet would have it, um, uh, this uh, company came up, I think, uh, I don't know how, but uh, I became aware of this company that lets you get a free camper van as long as you're willing to drive from A to B, wherever it is. And for us, it's all about the drive. We don't, everyone else is, yeah. it's hard to get people to do that because it's a job. But also people aren't that freewheeling on their holiday. So it's a company that gives you a free camper van as long as you get it in time. So I then thought, well, let's do this travel log. And then next thing I know, it's like, it's, it, it ended up being kind of uh, a narrative of a race against time because it yeah. broke down immediately and all sorts of... Because it was the Wild West. And he's an English kid. You have to understand, this is the northwest of Australia. The moon is more surveyed. There are a million ways to die. And, and, and fortunately, I didn't take us through the desert down to Uluru. I, uh, I, changed, I, uh, I changed that route. And if we had done that, we would have got... Because it, it, it's the rainy season. And what happens is, it rains, you get bogged, flooded... Sun comes out, you die. Because mm. there's no, for like 600 kilometers on a dirt track, there's there's nothing. There's no petrol station. So I've, I've been, well, we've both been to Western Australia, haven't we? I remember mm. just driving up to um, Monkey Mire. And um, even then, like... Monkey Mire? Yeah, yeah, just being like a British British person, just you driving bet. up. And like, even then, I was just like, just taken back by just, like, even just looking at the stars, because there's no light pollution... And you just re- you do really feel like oh the just stars how, just how are, far how far you it's removed the most you stars are. you'll ever see yeah it's awesome except yeah. for maybe like I don't know one of the poles yeah. were during the winter months well Cal- Callum's dad lives in in, in uh, Rockingham yeah oh really yeah, yeah. now is that like a uh, like a retirement place now it's where there's lo- there's like uh, yeah it's like Loads of expats. For, for its size, it's got the most expats in Australia, apparently. That doesn't surprise me yeah. because it was a shithole growing up. <laughs> uh, but, but it was considered a shithole, but it isn't. Yeah, it's so actually is, on the beach and bit, it's gorgeous. Yeah. This is the thing. I Everyone I speak to, they're like, oh, because I go into the city centre, I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of a drive back tonight. And they're like, oh, where, where are you staying? I'm like, oh, rocking. Everyone's like, oh, it's a rough place there. I'm like, have you been there? And they're like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. You go there and it's it like was. beautiful beaches, everything. Well, that's the like, funny thing is uh, Perth, where you're talking about Western, well, Western Australia is built on pure elitism, oh, wow. like the areas, and so then a lot of English people came over and went, "Wait a minute, I can have a house for fifty grand on the beach in Jundalup? because everyone's going Jundalup, Fuck that shit!" Right? And uh, so, like the expensive areas were just made up, like somewhere on the river. That makes sense. Others completely made up. Like, like Claremont, just, isn't it? That's... This is a posh area. Yeah. You're like, why? Don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and so all the other areas that were previously rough were like a stone's throw. Like when I moved to England and then went back to where I'm from, I went, oh my God, people that cry poor in this city are fucking so rich. Mm. I had mates who were all on the doll. They lived in a five-bedroom house, a stone's throw, a five-bedroom house with a massive yard, a yard so big they could play cricket in it. Uh, and they were on the dole. Mm. They were unemployed. A stone's throw from the beach. Yeah. I had. I remember uh, I went to stay with Callum and his dad, and uh, I remember going in a bar there and, and someone going, oh, you're not from around here. You hear my, my accent? No. Oh, you want to be careful around here? It's really rough. And I just laughed. And I was like, you want to go, you want to go to South Wales? You want to go to, like, yeah. Gend or the Valleys? and Merthyr Tidville. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, a very skewed view of, of the... Of the valleys are gorgeous, but rough, aren't they? The, yeah. the, there's a punch-up in the pub every Friday night. Yeah. And it's like a full-blown... Or, or a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. You can get fucking... I mean, it, it, that's the funny thing as well. Is it is rough. In like, I would find it easy to get punched in the head. But then again, I'm not, I, I'm not that age anymore. Mm. But, I mean, as a 16-year-old, there was a million ways you could get punched in the head. You get punched in the head in Claremont, uh, at Burger King on a Friday night by a biker gang <laughs> by a fucking biker gang 
because they just decided to come to that part of town because they thought it was soft. Yeah. And they just like go look at that cunt. And they didn't care that he was he was sixteen. You did they'd punch you in the head. Mad. It was when um, I had to warn my kids because some guys drove past in a car and went yeah fuck you yeah and he went yeah fuck you <laughs> and I went son. <laughs> You're in Australia now. He's like, but I'm 13. It doesn't matter. A grown man will punch you in the head in Perth. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to speak to you about um, what you said about using Luke in your in your act. Yeah. And um, obviously we're putting out the, the Bernsey versus Brandon uh, double LP. And yeah, I know. We're, we're gutted that we don't have the audio yeah, from Yeah, because um, the reason we don't have the audio is we couldn't clean it up enough. So in relation to the, the other two parts, you know, the Bernsey part and the Brandon part, we couldn't clean the audio up enough to, for it to be clear. But um, do you want to sum up a little bit about what Luke says in between those two, the two parts of that record? I can't remember. It's something about stop being rude, stop being selfish. Mm. Is that it? Something like that, yeah. And that's the, pretty much the sum of it? Yeah. But it's a conversation between he and I. Uh, and that's also something that I was very mindful of. I mean, that's a really coked up thing to do, is while you're in the middle of a rock bottom is then to interview your, what would he have been then? 2004, five. So he would have been five years of age. And I was just recording him saying, what do you think I should change about me act or the, what I'm doing? Mm. And he was probably just rabbiting his, his parroting his mother. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was weird out of the mouth of babes. There was definitely some poignance in there. Mm. And um, it's kind of... It's kind of weird what comes out of the mouths of kids because if there is such a thing as a cosmic entity, they were there last. So somewhere between, and then and all it is is just, you know, how you empty your trash can and your computer and you fill up the memory banks with other stuff. And when you talk, when you talk to kids, um, anywhere between then and five, when there's before they start to get filled in with other data. It's really very, very weird what comes out of their mouths. It's always very... I mean, them, them telling you about their day is bullshit. There's this guy, right? All right, yeah, here comes the bullshit. Um, but when you ask them grown-up questions, their outlook is always very, very... Ah, I hate to use the word spiritualistic, but there's something in there where you're like, because uh, what is it that atheists, uh, they say, don't you fear death? And you go, and they say, how do you feel about 1680, 1687? You go, what do you mean? He goes, I don't feel anything about 1687. He goes, exactly. That's how I feel about after I'm gone. Uh, and... I think somewhere between one and five, that doesn't quite make sense. That doesn't quite add up. Hmm. Because of uh, their outlook on life sometimes seems to be such a baseline of wisdom. You know what I mean? Hmm. The, 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 it just makes you think like, ah, if there is, if there is something to that, they were there last. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then again, some kids are just fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> With them, um, uh, for people that don't really know about that show, it's a show of two halves, basically, isn't it? It's you yes. trying to rid yourself of a character, really, isn't it? Of, uh, of Bernsey. I think it, was in hindsight listening back to it I turned the volume up on both characters yeah I think the sensitive side of myself I probably turned the volume up on that and was a bit more soft-spoken than I actually am and on the gruff side I, I turned that up a thousandfold and uh, and also in terms of like preposterous notions I actively tried to sell preposterous preposterous notions um, you know, about uh, socio-political notions uh, that are completely unfeasible and really hoodwinked a lot of people uh, with that. A lot of people came up uh, to me afterwards and said, I always thought that was all there was to you. And I went, of course I don't believe half of what I say. What are you fucking mm. mental? And, and to be brutally frank as well, I just played another trick, which was 
uh, and it was funny uh, that that was the show that turned a lot of a lot of English critics around and said they never knew there was a mind at work. And I was like, still the same guy that bo- wrote both bits. Yeah. And to be really brutally honest, in the second half, the thing that really affected people is, and you'll notice it listening to it, is I changed the lighting and I softened my accent. Uh, and it's still the same kind of stuff. It's funny, isn't it? Because you get from uh, listening to it, you you know, as you come in and you're a lot more soft-spoken, you can tell there's sort of, there's a little bit of awkwardness to begin with because people aren't too sure what to make. Yes. The first half of the show is you, you know, screaming and being very, you know, very aggressive about very things. Very, um, and overly, Aussie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and know, then, like... Turn as, the accent, not mm. like, ten, yeah, then! Really <laughs> awkward enough. Yeah. But then, like, as, as people sort of get used to it, you can, like, <laughs> you know, you can really sense that there's, um... I made a rod like, for my back, for yeah. sure. That was definitely one of the toughest shows I've ever had to do. First of all, because the pain was very real and it was heart-wrenching and it was probably a bit of an addictive process to do it over and over for a year. Uh, which is why it ended up sending me mad anyway. Um, and uh, so, so, so I was trying to come up with that neat little magic button narrative and this resolution at the end and, uh, and all of that, but it was still then get up the same night, do it all over again. Mm. You know, the next night, do it all over again. And um, the, the amount of people that wrote about it as well said they were nearly about to walk out after the first half. And then said that they were very glad that they didn't. Um, but the one thing I could never, like, still can't get my head around is um, it's still the same guy. It's still the same guy writing both bits. But uh, Paul Provenza, who wrote the sleeve notes for us, he also, like, the, it's true that the final night uh, of the, uh, the, the festival run, I was so emotionally drained, I think I cried for a day. Just, just came off stage and was just weeping openly. And I spoke to Reg Hunter and Provenza, and I'm like, I can't stop crying, I can't stop crying. And they kind of both took me aside, and they just went, it's because you've just done a month of this. You're a completely open wound on stage. But also, he just said, I've got to be honest with you, it's two different guys. It's two, it is two different guys. And then I almost bought into that too much to the extent where I, uh, for the second part, was actually going to try and stage a fist fight. <laughs> where I, I somehow thought I could fight yourself, work it out that there, that, that there would actually be a physical split. Like the, uh, Ed, Edward Norton in Fight Clubs, sort of fucking boss. going fucking right at it. Um, okay. But then, like, my director was going, We can't actually do that. And I was still in the and I'm switching back and forth, back and forth. Um, yeah, it drove me nuts. Like, actually clinically insane. Did you... Um, so, did, over the over the year of doing the show, did you find it hard, or did you find it harder to sort of go and do the Burnsy side of the act, or is it just that it sort of... Nah, it all came crashing down at the end? So I think Steve Bennett put it best, like, after the... Th- uh, of Chortle. And uh, for my money, he's the, the best critic in the yeah. country, because he's there... At, at, at comedy, I mean, the fact of the matter is, um, it's it, and it's it's not a knock on them at all. Is it's impossible for any critic to understand your work as well as a fan does because they'll only ever see you uh, at the most at the most once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, and they won't notice the difference in nuance from show to show, or 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 watch the development of anything. So it's generally they just come to see what you hope is your most polished product mm. uh, and most showy show, mm. uh, and, and you almost have to make their job easy for them as well. Yeah. Uh, but with the, th- the third part, he uh, put it best in that he said it would appear that the, the trilogy has ended in a truce between the two. And so people, you know, were asking me, you know, which one are you? And then I obviously, you know, obviously I'm both. Here is a clip from the Burnsy vs. Brandon show, available for pre-order now from www.palmreaderrecords.co.uk and we'll be expecting to start shipping at the end of April. Another issue that has taken uh, my interest is the Fathers for Justice situation. I, um, now... 
I don't want to undermine, uh, undermine those men's pain. I, I, I too am a single parent, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that if I was allowed access to my son, that I too would be climbing cranes dressed as Spider-Man, <laughs> storming the House of Parliament, throwing condoms for purple powder. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Admittedly, it does sound like the work of a hat comic in desperate need of a punchline, does it not? <laughs> huh? Huh? Because if you'd use the condom, right? <laughs> work with me. Oh, I've got hours to think of this stuff. Huh? Huh? If you'd use the condom, then, whoa, somebody would get ahead of me. Whoa. <laughs> if you'd use the condom, he wouldn't have kids, and then he, huh? Oh, oh. <laughs> Polls me. <laughs> Because I feel their efforts are somewhat <coughs> counterproductive. Because I guarantee you, you know, that guy that climbed that crane dressed as Spider-Man, that guy's kids are never going to want to see him again. Just, <laughs> oh, Dad! What? I'm Spider-Man! <laughs> Give your dad a hug! Oh, not in that outfit. What outfit? <laughs> this is what I wear to work. The kids at the parties love me. Huh? And your mother says I'm a loser. I'm Spider-Man! <laughs> and you know the actions of those of desperate men because they call fathers for justice. That's right, not fathers F-O-R justice, no. Fathers number for justice. Huh? Fathers for justice. Huh? Sup! Because <laughs> they're nothing more down than a middle-aged daddy. Huh? <laughs> And I imagine <laughs> it goes a little something and like this. <laughs> something then I wanted to bring up as well. This is going to be like the third night of this tour that I've, I've watched you and um, Newport and End, you sort of, the, the different shows. Uh, so you, you have sort of stuff about whales and, and stuff at the beginning, mm. but the material you picked to, 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 the bits you used were different both nights. So do you just sort of have this, you've sort of got this pool of stuff and do you plan what you're picking out of it before? Is, or is it just sort of an off, off the cuff? I think you, say, you say something and then it reminds you I've got a bit on that. Yes, yeah. a bit of that. But also, I think at the beginning you'll see more of that. Uh, and then by the end you've got uh, a polished new hour. Mm. But then also, I mean, two minds with this because there's bits that I know people are going to want to see. And then, and, uh, or unless like, you know, um, you know, I have John Robertson with me tonight and the, the in Brighton. He and I didn't get to a single fucking joke. Yeah. It was just the two of us fucking around for two hours and people were over the moon with that. Yeah. Uh, in, in Newcastle, people were over the moon with that. It's, there's something about doing this and doing a podcast, and I think we discussed it before about, I think, I heard it secondhand that it was Greg Proops that, that, that coined this, was that everyone thought that stand-up was the most intimate performance you can do, but it's not, it's podcasting, mm. because you're carrying on a conversation you've had with people in their private moments. And it is really true that as the tour has gone on, I am now almost not having to set some things up. Yeah. <laughs> Just a mere mention of fucking toasters or this fucking cunt right and the place goes nuts. Yeah. And there is something really, because uh, I, I think it was Mark Maron that coined this as well, is uh, that once you, uh, uh, like, when you first get up, Mark Merritt didn't say this, but when you first get up, 
the most honest you'll be is the first 30 seconds you spend on the microphone because everyone gets into this thing they're going to be brilliant then when that doesn't work they spend 10 years developing a mask then you spend another 10 years trying to tear that mask away and what really helps tearing that mask away is everyone when they get on stage wants to be received that's the Mark Maron bit that's the Mark Maron part everyone wants to be received and there's something about I was in a I was at Oxford Glee and there was a bunch of stag dudes and I was nearly about to walk. I was just furious. And then a bunch of guys turned up with a toaster <laughs> uh, and asked me to you know, take a photo with them with their toaster. And before I even got on stage, I felt received. Yeah. And it completely changed my mindset going into the whole thing. Because well, I probably would have gone up all fucking guns blazing at the stag dude. Yeah. But when people said, we listen to the podcast, we like you, we love you. Yeah. Um, you, you you hit the ground, ground running mm. with that. I mean, I know they say that you'll never see a comic funnier than when they're just about to break it big. Um, and that is true because too much adulation fucks with your filter. Mm. You know, uh, when everyone's just clapping and laughing at your every, at your every utterance, yeah. then that's not actually conducive to... Because then all of a sudden you've, you've got to deal with the fly on the wall, which is a camera or a taping or something like that. And then you put that out in the world and people are like, yeah, stop fucking telling him this is all, all awesome, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Speaking of John Robertson, we have him in the room. <laughs> that's, his, that's, that's not me doing him. <laughs> that's his genuine voice. <laughs> you meet here, right, then, man? This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the longest time I've been quiet in a room in years. Brendan should be admiring me greatly for my resolve. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, mate. How, how are you enjoying doing some, doing some of these dates with Brendan? Well, this has been a bloody delight. That Brighton show, because I turned up very much. So with, much fun. Yeah, it was great. It was just, what is this going to be? We turn up. Oh, not only is it a jazz cafe, it's the basement of a jazz cafe <laughs> with the piano and the drum kit on stage. And I just realised it was going to be just a blast, and it was. Uh-huh. Because we didn't go to work. That was the important yeah. thing. Yeah. There was no sense of like, where, the last two nights we've been in Portsmouth, we've been in Southampton, two places that at this point I have a near Pavlovian response of, of going, hens and stags, hens and stags, some reference to sucking cock down the docks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've, and you felt received. Like, oh, God, yeah. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. And you in, can see in all the, the places. And you can see the difference just the moment you get on. Just like, oh, oh. And... You know, mm. like I said, uh, uh, f- uh, f- somewhere between 40 and 80 people mm. in a 50-seater yeah. is just awesome. I think it's same, uh, what Callum mentioned at the start about sort of about a lot of people who listen to this have been to punk music, and there is a lot of similarity between, because me, Callum and I have been in punk bands for years, and we've yeah. toured everywhere, and you always find that you play bigger rooms, and there's just people in the back talking on their phones, and you got... 20 people at the front who know the words to the songs and are going nuts. I'd much rather play in a fucking room with 20 people. And I think a bunch of us... the other people in there. And I'd rather take less money and, you know, just just play to You get a people. better response, don't yeah. you? And you? Just have yeah. the work taken in and enjoy yeah. what it is. Yeah. I, I think people forget that, like, I, I learned that at the Free Fringe, not arguing with someone after the show, mm. it's priceless to me. Right. That's so energy draining having to deal with people. Oh. You know, it's just like, it is. You want to spend that energy making people laugh. Not uh, and, people and after the show, that me and the toaster guy, um, uh, this fucking drunk kid comes up and he, uh, I'm there with my merchandise and he goes, "What's your book about?" And I went, uh, and I turned to the toaster guy and I said, "What's my book about? How do I sell this?" And he goes, uh, and and he said, "It's his words, not mine." And he goes. He goes, uh, I, I'm not much of a reader. Like, I, my mind wanders a lot, but I finished this in two days and I've never laughed more. It's the funniest book I've ever read. And and the guy goes, no, you tell me what it's about. And I looked at the... This is the guy that's trying to get me to sell my merchandise to him. And I looked at the toaster guy and I looked at this guy. And I just like... There was some sort of understanding between me and the toaster guy where we just went... We don't want you. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I don't want to sell you my book. Now you can't have my book. <laughs> yeah. right? You know, it's it, it, this, this entitlement, this I am special, mm. fucking sell me, you. And it's like, no, no, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm hiding. There's a bunch of us. We like it and we don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> and there is the kind of... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> there's a bunch of us. We like it, and we don't like you. Because uh, yeah, we're, doing, we're going to extend it over the summer, doing people's gardens and shit, which is going to be awesome fun. But I'm hoping to evolve this into something like the Harmontown podcast eventually, of just uh, being a travelling band with a bunch of friends just fucking around. Mm. I mean, tonight I'll probably try and because they're filming as well. Wink. Yeah, no, 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 seriously. <laughs> no, no, no. Brendan, There's... I went downstairs, they were strapping a GoPro uh, in a position that's going to make you want to wear your hat all night long. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, and I realise uh, that there's stuff that I'll probably put to bed mm. tonight. Like, tonight might be the final Arnold. Oh, really? Oh, really? really? Yeah, because I've got a new hour now. Yeah. Off doing this, easily. Easily. Like, I'm running out of time. Like, uh... But what with the whole uh, the Middle East trip and you know all that shit, Brendan? What are you putting material to bed right here in Southampton? Uh, South in someone's house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm putting it to bed. So uh, you know we've got how much time we got? Show starting in ten minutes. So uh, just sort of wrap it up with. So over the summer you'd plan on doing gardens and things like that. And you... cinemas would pay wrestling pay per views. Cool. Will the gardens include your famous barbecue? That's what I want to know. Mate, I did that in Edinburgh. Yeah. I fucking threw a barbecue instead because I thought, hey, I'll throw a barbecue because I could do with a break. (laughs) (laughs) Cooking for 80 people. That's not a break. break, (laughs) Actually, no word of a lie, I'm wearing the shoes. Look how, like, stained they are with fish sauce. (laughs) Fish sauce and soy. (laughs) I'm not even joking. I still haven't washed them out. I've got this uh, great image of you being like, oh, this will be a walk in the park, and then, like, sweating behind the barbecue. I set fire to the cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I should cut the video together. A bunch of friends dropped in and did a bit. You did a bit, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, 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 the the barbecue caught fire because a bone (laughs) fell down the back and was there so long that it eventually hits marrow. It's, like, explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, And... uh, I, uh, it was uh, mostly me uh, yelling at Mickey D about the fucking award-winning butcher in Scotland who turned out to be a nonce. I think I've heard this. Did you mention this on one of your podcasts? Maybe. Actually? Fucking cunt didn't know how to... Yeah. He didn't know how to cut a cut of meat. I wanted a ribeye on the bone with the brisket attached. So that makes the ribeye fillet actually extra juicy as well and you've got a lovely bit of brisket on the outside. <laughs> I'm trying to talk this fucking cunt through it. And he goes, no, I've only got a sirloin. And he's got like a sirloin about, I don't know, uh, a whole sirloin uh, on the bone, uh, about as long as my forearm. Not the wrist, not the elbow, just there. Come one of the hundred pounds for it. hundred fucking pounds for that. And I was like, you fucking mental, mate. And Mickey said he had to play good cop. Because I was about to jump the <laughs> counter because he had fucking sausages. Award-winning butcher and all he's got is fucking sausages. You fucking disgrace. And I was like, and I was just like, mate, you don't even know how to do a big cut of meat. And he's like, you don't do that with meat. And you did. And, I, and Mickey had to go, calm down, man, calm down. That, because I, when I Googled him beforehand, turned out he'd gone down for being a nonce. The actual guy that was named after uh, was a convicted pedophile. I was like, that's what happens, fucking, see? <laughs> when a man doesn't know how to cut a big fucking steak, turns out he fucks kids. <laughs> and then I think I even, like, and I'm going off on one, and I'm at the barbecue, and, and, and there's this uh, mic, and these guys are doing stand-up on it, like, while I'm cooking, and I'm fucking going off. I mean, I'm not even joking. <laughs> and Mickey goes, we know you're not, because if you were, we'd be laughing. <laughs> Is, is someone calling me? I think, I think we've got 15 minutes, yeah. Sweet. Hey? Okay. Oh, okay. oh, oh yeah, let's, let's... I spilled my monster. Sorry. Hang on. Oh, fuck's sake. You see, that's what happens. That's what happens when you fuck kids. You spill your <laughs> <laughs> I need to be on in 15. Right, okay, so... Oh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. I, so... I guess we should say, well, I guess, like you said, you're, you're doing the... Carrying on the tour. You've got your own podcast as well, which people should check out if they enjoy. Yeah, the Brendan Burns Show. Brendan Burns Show. And you're running the deal on your albums and specials still on your on your website? Uh, yes, I am. But also through you guys. Yep. Through you guys so very kindly, and I yeah. can't thank you enough. Remastering. Because I grew up on comedy albums, it's really exciting and such a privilege to be committed to vinyl for me. And like, So when you guys... 
uh, approached me with it, I uh, I jumped at the chance. I was yeah. very, very humbled by it. So, yeah, we're really excited. Very humbled by it. Then you hate it when someone fucking says, I was so humbled by that. <laughs> <laughs> mate, 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 I was so fucking humbled. <laughs> I mean, normally I'm awesome. But uh, when you did that, like, good thing, it made me even more... <laughs> when you did that good thing for me, it made me even more awesome. Because I was really cool about it. <laughs> so fucking humble. <laughs> so we got, uh, the, the, uh, the guy, uh, David Bailey, who did the tour post of Outside the Box, has done a really good reimagining of the original artwork. Oh, it looks Arab. great. Um, yeah, completely remastered. We've got new liner notes from you and Paul Provenza as new well. New liner notes, uh, double LP, and it's only 20 quid. And it's going to be ready by the end of April. Really? Yes. Yeah. I was very surprised when you said to me, vinyl takes forever. It takes forever. And Why is that? Uh, I, I don't know. I think pressing plants are like the most unprofessional businesses in the world. So Is it? So if you get like 500 of something made and someone orders three weeks later with 5,000, well, that order bump, bumps you off. What are you doing? Taking <laughs> selfies in the background. Yeah, Live yeah. your life! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. for doing this with us, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, hope you enjoyed our second podcast, chatting with Brendan Burns. Yep, uh, I just want to say thanks, first of all, to Paul Edwards, uh, who put the show on in his living room and gave us his bedroom to record the, the podcast in. Uh, the show was absolutely incredible. Uh, Brendan had John Robertson supporting him, um, and John Robertson features a little bit in the interview, but hopefully we're going to meet up with him again and, and get a longer podcast out of him. The uh, show in the living room was being filmed as well, so we'll put something on our Facebook when that's available or where you can get it from. I think it was definitely my favourite Brendan Burns show, as in it's been the most fun I've 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 had watching him. I've seen him on this tour alone, I've seen him three times, because I put him on twice in South Wales, and this was the third one, and it was the best of the three. Obviously, he's had the whole tour to hone his material, and he he told us he was putting a lot to bed last night, so might not get to see that material again. Um, but yeah, it was just a, just a nice concept for the tour, doing things in different odd places. He played at Dungeons and Dragons Cafe, he's played a library, he's played a disused uh, firehouse. Did he play a zoo? He played a zoo. He played a zoo as well, didn't um, So if you, if you aren't, weren't familiar with Brendan Burns... Check out his podcast. Yeah, his he's podcast got the Brendan is amazing. Burns Show. Yeah, you can get that on... And you can go to his website, thebrendanburnshow.com and buy all his stuff for really really cheap and i really recommend doing that because he's uh just really interesting dude with with a lot to say and uh yeah very funny thanks very much for listening again Uh, we're not too sure when the next one's going to be out uh like we said i live in southampton he lives in south wales i'd imagine it'll either be with matt from the secret show or gordon from raging speedhorn but if you like us on Facebook, if you haven't already, uh, we'll keep you updated with when the next podcast will be out. And additionally, if you listen to this on SoundCloud, um, you can also subscribe on iTunes. If you've got your phone, you can download the podcast app and, and uh, subscribe to us there. And if you do that, if you could also write a review, that would be really nice. Share it out with lovely. your friends. Yeah, it's all about getting getting the artists on our label more recognition and getting music that we think is awesome and comedy which we think is awesome out to a wider audience. Yep. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Very much. you.